Hey everyone, Chris here. Today we're talking all things season four, but starting things off a little bit differently today, we actually have a piece of listener mail, and I haven't shared this with you, Aaron, but I wanted to read it to you right now. We got okay. a piece of mm -hmm. listener mail that I wanted to share. Um, so let me just pull it up. It says, hey, Chris and Aaron, I'm a huge fan of your show, so much so that my friend Bruce and I recently started a podcast. Both Bruce and I have a lot of experience with writing and public speaking, but I've never hosted a podcast before. Our concept is pretty loose. We basically just talk about a different broad subject each week, which we think is interesting, but I don't know how well it connects with listeners. I was wondering if you have any advice for producing a podcast with your best friend on a regular basis. Also, Frankie Munez. Um, and then they go on to say, uh, P.S. If you want to check it out or give it a plug on air, our show is called Renegades Born in the USA and is available on Spotify. Uh, love Barack Obama. Wait, what? So, Aaron, any podcasting advice for former President Barack Obama and music icon Bruce Springsteen and their show Renegades Born in the USA? Which oh, is it was, it was supposed to be Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. I yeah. didn't get that. That was well, not that was lost well, on me. Well, I, you know, I mean, Barack Obama, you know, he, he didn't convey that. He just views him. He's just Bruce to him. You know, yeah, I mean, like, that makes sense. Like what Robert De Niro is Bob to me. <laughs> what stood out to me um, was that they referred to you as my best friend. Um that's not oh. really how I would describe you. Um, I would kind of describe you as like a uh, a chore that I have to um, deal with once once a week, um, much like taking out the trash or recycling or doing the laundry is my relationship to you. But um, advice wise, I would say um, in the day we sweat it out on the streets of a runaway American dream. At night, we ride through mansions of glory in suicide machines, sprung from cages out on Highway 9, chrome-wheeled, fuel-injected, and stepping out over the line. Oh, baby, this town rips the bones from your back. It's a death trap. It's a suicide rap. We gotta get out while we're young, because tramps like us, baby, we were born to run. Yep, now that we have Bruce Springsteen's lawyers after us, uh, <laughs> this is Go Chuck Yourself. We're talking about all things Chuck season four today from the the depths of Castle to the roof of the Bymore and everything in between. My name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Aaron Arada. And just to confirm, that was not a real message that we got. You didn't just change the names. You just wrote that. Uh, I just wrote that as a bit. Yes. All of that was fictional. That was really nice. That was like, I could imagine. I mean, I was I was a little bit surprised that they were asking us for advice. Mm -hmm. um, that seems like kind of not the th not the kind of thing that would happen to us, but I was excited. But yes, I'm Aaron Arada. Hello. Welcome to <laughs> our uh, season four overarching recap extravaganza. That's right. We're talking all things season four. We've done this show for four seasons, uh, almost almost three years, just shy of three years. Uh, almost 100 episodes. We're nearly there. I think this is like episode like 96 or 97 Jeez. or something. We're we're close. Uh, Call us I, uh, Frankie Valley because we have covered four seasons. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. Uh, I'm going to keep that in there. Uh, 
I usually cut out most of Aaron's jokes, but <laughs> listeners don't know is that the the end product, the episode that you hear, I've usually have had to cut out uh, anywhere between an hour and a half and two hours of Aaron's <laughs> jokes. Uh-huh. My, my stand-up routine, my type five. <laughs> right, but I'm going to leave that one in there. I thought okay, that thank was Thank you, I appreciate I that. Pre- yeah, no, it was, it was good. Um, so just as we're celebrating Aaron's first, like, really funny joke, <laughs> I also want to take a moment to acknowledge a different milestone. You know, we have all these, we're almost at 100 episodes. We've almost been doing it for three years, but we have another exciting milestone, uh, which I just wanted to share with everyone. So the other day, I logged on to Apple Podcasts to see how we were doing. And for the first time since we've launched Go Chuck Yourself, so as as long as Go Chuck Yourself has existed, our average rating has been the the perfect five stars. We've only gotten five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. And as you might imagine, listener, this is not really a sustainable approach to podcasts because you know (laughs) that that perfect five star is not going to last very long. And I kind of learned, you know, you really have to appreciate things before you lose them because everything is fleeting (laughs) and nothing lasts. So the other day when I logged on to Apple Podcasts, I had to do a double take because our average was 4.9 stars. Oh, what a shame. It's just like uh, when I got a B in gym and my GPA went down from perfect four to a 3.82 or whatever. That's right. We had one listener who gave us three stars. And, uh, you know, I feel like this is a badge of honor to have finally lost the perfect five stars because... You know, it wasn't going to last. We had to get rid of it eventually. And I, frankly, am surprised that we made it this long with five stars. <laughs> I feel like strangely validated by it that like someone mm-hmm. other than our close friends is reviewing us. If someone like doesn't like us enough to give us the full five stars, it means they're like an actual like listener who has like isn't just like trying to suck up to us. They're actually like giving us their real feedback. And mm-hmm. I think that's like part of being a real podcaster. Yeah. I, that's how I feel about it. I hope whoever you are, thank you. I hope you're listening right now. And I hope you're like kind of feeling like, eh, about us still. <laughs> they're probably not listening if they give us three stars. Or maybe they are and they're doing like just in the background. Well, they're give, really not listening. We give episodes of Chuck three stars and we, we still, we still <laughs> are watching four seasons of it. So <laughs> well, do you think the listener who gave us three stars, do you think it was Josh Schwartz? Ah, well, we uncovered the uh, the great conspiracy about uh, Chris Bedak knowing um, great American secrets. So maybe it was him and he was just trying to like tank us, put us under. Josh Schwartz um, is the magnet, right? So Josh Schwartz is the magnet. Chris Bedak. To- um, and like, it's kind of a, a bold move because you would think he would give us zero stars or one stars to really tank us, but he's like being subtle about it. <laughs> right. I think I would be... I would be i don't know i think i guess this is not a dare or a challenge to anyone (laughs) listening for the record but i i would think it would be funny if we got those lower star reviews i would just kind of laugh it off and be like well that's fine but the three star review i think is funny because it's just someone who's like "Eh, i could take it or leave it (laughs) that's fine i mean that's how i feel about our show yeah (laughs) wait did you leave the three star review I mean, honestly, it could have been me. I don't know. It could have been. I mean, you started this episode by comparing our relationship to literal garbage. So No, I said taking out garbage, not actual garbage. <laughs> don't put words in my mouth. Fine. Fine. I guess I, I like taking out the trash, you know, so maybe you like taking out the trash. I don't know. Or maybe you don't. Uh, either way, um, 
if you are someone who doesn't view Go Chuck Yourself as garbage and would like to leave us a five-star review, wherever you listen, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or or any of those other platforms, you know, we'd really appreciate it if you took some time and uh, left that review. Even if you, you know, you can even leave a comment if you have time. We love reading those. Those are really helpful. And uh, you can never really help us get back to five stars because that's mathematically impossible now that there's a three in the mix. <laughs> but we can certainly try to raise it from 4.9 something something to uh, slightly higher 4.9 something something with more five star reviews. So if you take some time and do that, I'd appreciate it. I second what Chris says. Please, um, if you are willing and able, if you'd like to give us a review, we would really appreciate it. But it doesn't have to be five. If you don't feel we deserve that, go ahead. Give us lower. We'll we'll take it. That's... We'll we'll do a whole bit about it. And that'll be your moment of fame, really. Right. That's so it's true. in your interest to give us a low score. God damn it, Aaron. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay. So <laughs> season four of Chuck. Yes. Uh, so the longest season of Chuck, it's a big one. I wanted to start off before we kind of get into our discussion and just kind of just recap a lot of the major plot points of the season. So we just they're fresh in our mind because Aaron and I, Aaron and I, our minds are like sieves and we just kind of <laughs> watching an episode of Chuck is like putting a a uh, a bunch of sand into like a pasta strainer because it just it's there for a little bit and slowly <laughs> Uh, not slowly, quickly just shoots out the sides of it. It's true. And forget about it. So there was a lot of this season that, in uh, preparing for this episode, I realized I did not remember. So, with that being said, here are some of the key points that I wanted to highlight. Uh, we kind of start off the season. The Bymore is back. It's repaired. It was they it, it, it did get blown up in the end of the last season, but now it's bought by the CIA. Becomes a cover for Castle. It becomes you know the CIA is owning it. There's super agents that work in the store now. A lot of them are called Greta. Chuck and Ellie's mom. We learn about her. She kind of rejoins the picture after many years of being away. We learn that the world's leading crime syndicate is known as Volkov Industries and is run by its ruthless leader, Alexei Volkov. Mary has been undercover with Volkov Industries this whole time under the codename uh, Frost. And Volkov is not so secretly in love with her. Ellie and Devin, meanwhile have a baby girl who they named Clara, who they promptly ignore for the rest of the season. <laughs> After a lot of back and forth over them seemingly not being ready to get engaged, Chuck and Sarah get engaged. Morgan gets more involved in the spy world. He also gets more involved with Casey's daughter, Alex. Casey also makes a point to be more involved in Alex's life and even reveals to Alex's mother slash his widow uh, that he's still alive. Team Bartowski succeeds in taking down Volokov Industries and sending Volokov to jail and freeing Mary, and you think it would end there, but you are wrong. <laughs> Steven Bartowski's old laptop, uh, the Orion laptop, if you will, comes back into the picture when Ellie buys a car that used to belong to Steven. Uh, we also don't really see the car ever again now that I'm thinking about it, but that was a nice car. You think it was a nice car, around. yeah. Uh, Ellie starts working on it as she's kind of on her maternity leave, and she starts getting really wrapped into this, and she uncovers Steven's work on the intersect and something that's called the Agent X Project. Uh, meanwhile, Chuck and Sarah are introduced to a woman whose name is Vivian MacArthur, whose real name turns out to be Vivian Volkov because she's Volkov's daughter. She started out innocent, uh, but then becomes evil after peer pressure from a ghost man named Riley. <laughs> that's canonical. Don't worry about looking that up. That's that's fact. Uh, there's this whole thing with this new secret wing of Castle that's called the Cool Kids Corner. There's a CIA director named Bentley. 
she's there for a little while, not a super long time, but just just long enough to cause some trouble. As Vivian becomes more and more evil, Team Bartowski has to turn to Volkov himself to try to outwit her before she gets her hands on a very realistic weapon known as the Norseman. Chuck finally decides to tell Ellie that he still works for the CIA and that he's the Intersect. Ellie accepts this and tells him about Agent X. And after a jaunt across the pond, as they say, Tim Bartowski learns that Agent X is actually Volkov. <gasps> Turns out Steven turned an unsuspecting scientist who he is friends with named Hartley Winterbottom into the most dangerous man in the world using an early version of the Intersect. With Chuck and Sarah's wedding just days away, Vivian uses the Norseman to eliminate a bunch of crime lords and then almost Sarah, this guy, uh, I think his name is Decker, gets introduced and he's a real jerk. It's a real not nice guy. Volkov ends up getting reverted back into Hartley Winterbottom. Together, Hartley and Chuck appeal to Vivian's humanity and convince her to save Sarah because she's not actually evil. Uh, and then Vivian decides to save Sarah and also help Chuck, um, I guess, fight the CIA or get out of Decker's grasp or blackmail Decker. Not really clear. Uh, anyhow, Chuck and Sarah get married and inherit a billion dollars from Volokov Industries and start their own private spy firm. Also, Morgan accidentally downloads The Intersect. And also, Jeff and Lester have been doing whatever it is that they do <laughs> over the course of this period of time. So that is season four in a nutshell. That was very comprehensive. And it really uh, reminded me of a lot of plot points I had forgotten. So I appreciate that. Do you think I left anything out? Um, you left out the, the Renaissance Fair um, plot line. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot that. <laughs> that key part of the season that people will be very confused if I don't mention that. I mean, you left out the cat squad, which I would say is pretty important. Sarah has female friends. Um, one of them is evil. One of them is Karina, who we already knew. Um, one of them is Zondra the bitch. So you can't uh, mention season four. Well, you know what? OK, Chris, you know what you forgot? You what forgot the forget? fucking air ducks. You didn't <laughs> talk about air ducks. You didn't mention them at all. Also, listener, most of the season takes place in air ducts. All the things I just described, picture them in air ducts. That's absolutely true. It's not, we're not doing a bit, but it does primarily take place in air ducts. But I would like to refer, harken back to something Erin said in last week's episode, which was when she referred to these as the Cadillac of air ducts. <laughs> Did I say that? I think you said that. That's I thought, good. That's a really nice. Better, <laughs> I just thought of it myself and I'm attributing it to you for some reason. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. A joke of mine that you didn't cut out. No, I'm, I'm getting sloppy. I'm leaving a lot of them in there these days. So now we've got some superlatives to discuss as they pertain to the season. Uh, we're going to be doing a rundown of some of the things that we liked the most, some things that we didn't like, uh, all of that stuff. The first one, it's kind of a fun one, is the favorite uh, use of music, favorite music selection in season four. Obviously, music is a plays a large part in Chuck, plays a large part of the vibe of Chuck. A lot of music in there. And let's uh, let's discuss, Aaron. How what were your favorite musical moments from the season? Well, okay. Sorry, so, hold on. What were your favorite musical moments aside from Jeff and Lester's performance of "Push It"? Jesus in Christ! You stole my joke. <laughs> I was going to say that was my favorite, and it was going to be so funny. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Well, nice to know that after almost a hundred episodes, we are on the same page. So I did this, um, joking aside, I tried to think of this in a new way. I feel like in previous uh, superlative episodes, I have talked about like my favorite songs that were featured in Chuck, and it's mm -hmm. kind of been, 
inextricable from the fact that like I love Frightened Rabbit, so when Frightened Rabbit shows up, but I tried to think of I did a little bit of that, but I also tried to think of like really memorable musical moments where like the song itself is kind of inextricable from the scene and like really added to the mood. Mm-hmm. So my list includes uh, Generator First Floor from Chuck versus the Anniversary. I believe the scene is when Chuck and Ellie are having a heart to heart in the courtyard as they are wont to do. I thought that um, this kind of falls into the category of a song that I just like, a song that I learned from Chuck and I have positive memories. I don't think the scene is particularly memorable as it relates to the song, but I do think the song is like a very good like final act of an episode of Chuck, like reflective kind of thoughtful indie folk music. Um, So that one's like kind of lower on this, this new thing I'm trying to do. Um, Kiss with a Fist in Chuck versus the First Fight, which is featured as Chuck and Sarah are um, fighting in the bank, trying to defend who they think is Agent Tuttle, but is actually Volkoff, but is actually Hartley Winterbottom. It's all confusing. Don't worry about it. Um, I thought that that was a very nice use of a um, indie rock song in a more action-based scene. We, we had some trouble. Um, we had, we, Chris and I both thought that this was Frightened Rabbit. It was not, but Squealing Pigs by Admiral Fallow as um, Sarah is trying on her wedding dress in Chuck versus the First Bank of Evil is kind of the perfect, like, inextricable from the moment, hugely um, positive memory of this scene of Sarah trying on her wedding dress, which is completely inextricable from, like, this like very joyous folk song. I think that's really nice. And then the use of Youngblood in Chuck versus the Push Mix. We do have, um, of course, my favorite Jeffster's cover of Push It earlier in the episode. It's hard to compete with that. But I think like, as Chris and I talked about in the actual episode, Youngblood is a great song. It really fits the vibe of like the final act of an episode of Chuck. It's really nice to hear that as there's like a montage of, um, this was like, ostensibly the season four finale before the additional episodes were added. So seeing like a montage of baby Clara and Chuck and Sarah preparing to get engaged and nice things happening, the LA skyline. I feel like this is a really memorable musical moment for me in season four. So those are my picks. What about you? Very well thought out. (laughs) Uh, I did not get as granular. I think those are all really good selections. I did hone in on the use of Youngblood, uh, as we discussed. And as you just said, that was a song that we both really enjoy. And I feel like it really fits the the moment and it makes for a really memorable scene of kind Mm -hmm. of the all of the different moments of resolution up to that point. I mean, um, Ellie and Devin are having their baby. Chuck and Sarah are getting engaged. Uh, it's was once upon a time the end of the season, but it's not really. So I think it gives you a lot of the, you know, makes you feel good, feels a lot of warm feelings for that. Um, and then I would have to say, you know, pretty low hanging fruit here. Pretty basic. Uh, do you <laughs> what do you think it's going to be, Aaron? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> should I know? I, yeah, I'm surprised that you didn't mention it. I have to go with First Day of My Life by Bright Eyes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, well, I figured you would mention that one, so I didn't I didn't pick oh, that one. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. In Chuck versus the Last Details, uh, as we discussed in that episode as well, um, that song is just uh, a really lovely, beautiful song. And I forgot that it was in Chuck, and I appreciate that it's in there, and I think it served its purpose very well. 
Um, and I would say those are kind of my two big ones. Okay. I think I usually kind of hone in on, I don't know. I feel like last time I honed in on, um, here's looking at you kid by the gaslight anthem, mm-hmm. which is kind of a sad song, which was when Chuck in season three is thinking that his brain is slowly rotting. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know past recipients of this award have been Cobra style and Britney Spears toxic mm-hmm. in season one and the, uh, the cover of walk like an Egyptian. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of where I was at, but I do really like the um, Admiral Fallow song. And I think yep. that does really work well in that moment. It makes it very memorable. Speaking of things that are memorable, <laughs> how can you discuss Chuck without discussing the, the galaxy of guest stars that appear in any season, especially in season four, where there's just so many. There were actually a ton. So many shooting stars to gaze upon. Aaron <laughs> and I sat outside with our telescope and just looked up into the sky and saw all of these well-known actors from the 1980s just whizzing by us <laughs> on our TV screens. Uh, so we're going to talk about guest stars. Aaron, who is your favorite guest star? Okay, so I kind of have um, a list, much like with music. I okay. haven't settled on a favorite performance or more favorite guest star appearance. I do want to give special shout outs to, I know it was a little bit contentious at the time, but Nicole Richie, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Gary Cole, and Armand Asante were returning guest stars this season. So mm-hmm. I kind of did not include them on my list, even though I was very excited to see all of them. And I, for one, think that their performances were good. Um, and I will fight you about it. But some new guest stars for season four specifically, uh, I'm going to list Mercedes Mason as Zondra the Bitch mm. um, in Chuck vs. the Cat Squad. I learned that Mercedes is actually Swedish, which is not something I knew, but I think uh, Karina is Swedish as well, right? So that's yeah. kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, also in her character poster for Chuck, she's described as the Black Panther which is not something that they ever say in the episode um, and is maybe a little bit better than the bitch. Um, Maybe they didn't want to get in trouble with Marvel, but I thought that was kind of interesting. And I wonder if that was like an earlier draft way of referring to her. If they had all like cat names, that would have been kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. I'm just so distracted by the idea of Black Panther. I'm like, is she going to be the next Black Panther? What's going (laughs) on with that? But yeah, if if they all had cat related code names. Um, okay, so I'm also going to list uh, Tia Tejada as Goya, um, Premier Goya's wife in Chuck mm-hmm. versus the Coup d'Etat. I thought she had a good performance. Similarly, Leslie Ann Brandt as Fatima in Chuck versus the Seduction Impossible. I thought both of them were um, very sympathetic female villains who had kind of interesting motivations, um, which is not something that Chuck usually gives to its antagonist characters so i thought they both stood out as strong performances and strong writing um we both really liked rob riggle in chuck versus the fear of death i think maybe he's like if i had to give a number one i think he fell into um we talked about it when we were discussing chuck versus the fear of death but i feel like he felt like an actual chuck character um obviously he was only in the one episode but if he had stuck around I feel like he would have been a great addition to the Chuck cast. He totally picked up on the vibe of the show and was like a really natural, nice, funny part of it. And then no list of season four would be complete without Ray Wise as Ghostman Riley. 
I didn't even think about Ray Wise being the ghost man as a guest star. Like, he's not really a guest star. He's like a a huge character. Like, he's the ghost man. He's pulling all the strings. So it's hard to think of him as just a normal, like, one-off guest star. But it's kind of what he is. And I think we also, like, you had a, like, Timothy Dalton and Linda Hamilton we weren't really considering. Yeah, and Lauren Lauren Cohen. Lauren Cohen, because they're all just, they're in there a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, honorable mention, obviously give, got to give a shout out to Gary Cole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, got to pay respect to the yeah. king. Uh, <laughs> I also would think, you know, I was thinking about it a lot. I think all of the, you know, actors that you just mentioned, I think are all really solid. I, I did also hone in on Rob Riggle in mm-hmm. Chuck versus the Fear of Death. I mm-hmm. think that although his character may have been powered by toxic masculinity, uh, Rob Riggle is just so damn charming yeah. and fun to watch in yeah. things. and. Uh, he really, like you said, fit really well in with the tone of the show and just kind of um, amplified sort of more of the comedic side of mm-hmm. the the show and kind of tapped into that. It wasn't really like one of the more serious performers and kind of was just really fun to watch. And it was exciting to have him. And I I think fondly back onto his performance and I enjoyed it a lot. So Rob Riggle, we love you and thank you for your service in the United States Marine Corps. <laughs> About every guest star that appears on chuck is you know receives the (laughs) i'll say that i'm sure they all received really great treatment but maybe their performances are not always the most sensical or sometimes they seem like they're kind of underutilized so for this next part we kind of wanted to talk about some more underutilized guest stars (laughs) who have appeared in season four Aaron, who are you thinking about when you think about underutilized guest stars? Okay, so this one I actually um, can give you a ranking for. Um, unlike best guest star, um, which I just feel like they're all stars in their own ways. This one I can uh, pretty definitively tell you. Um, coming in at number three is Robert Eglund in Chuck versus the Isle of Terror. Uh-huh. I thought that the idea behind including him was pretty interesting, but his the way that he was used in the episode was not really um, it kind of just felt like I I don't want to blame him, but like maybe the writers were kind of phoning it in, um, trading on the fact that like people would be excited to see this like prominent horror actor in the Halloween episode and not really worrying about what the character actually does or if he's actually scary or if he's actually funny. Um, I feel like based on like my understanding, I haven't seen Nightmare on Elm Street, but based on my understanding of Freddy is like he's a pretty funny like character, does a lot of bits as he kills people. Like, I just wish that we could have seen that. But we just kind of got this flatter story for this character um, coming in at number two. I'm going to say Dave Batista in Chuck versus the Couch Lock. Um, I am a fan of Dave Bautista's, and I know this was relatively early in his acting career, um, but the whole, um, Casey's former team, like, Dave Bautista stands out among the three of them, but really all of them, I felt, were, um, not really developed that much. I believe I referred to one of them as, um, a Matthew McConaughey type, even though, um, Chris is shaking his head at me. But I think that is like a um, indicator that like none of these characters and specifically like Dave Bautista are not given a lot to do um, other than like being something that like Casey remembers. Like they could have been a lot more interesting, but they weren't Um, because 
as a fan of Dave Bautista's, I was scrolling through like prominent guest stars from season four and I was like, Dave Bautista was in this? And that shouldn't be the case. I should definitely remember his performance and I don't. Um, but number one is uh, Lou Ferrigno in Chuck versus the Suitcase. Um, that was, I, I think this is truly a good example of like underutilized um, because this this storyline is nothing. He doesn't have anything to do. I think, again, they're trading on the fact that people will be excited to see him, which, like, I was, but he doesn't do anything, and actually, like, what he does, I think, detracts from what is otherwise a pretty good episode because it's so confusing and weird. Um, so I think it's not necessarily Lou's fault, but it is pretty rough. So he is most underutilized guest star, I would say. I would agree with that 100%. I also <laughs> uh, chose Lou Fregno as most underutilized Perfect. guest star. Just like that was when I thought about that. I immediately went to him and I was like, I still don't understand why he was in that episode. It just, I, I feel like they kind of got over the, the season sort of started with this weird, like almost infatuation of them having these guest stars in these roles mm -hmm. and like not exactly stunt casting, but just, I feel like they kind of grew out of that as the season progressed. But I feel like, especially in the first half of the season, it was a lot of these Lou Ferrigno's and a lot yeah. of, like you said, the Robert England. Uh, another one I want to, you know, highlight was Harry Dean Stan in Chuck versus the anniversary. He was the repo man. I couldn't remember if that was this season or not, so I didn't include him, but I, I do. Um, I do have fond memories of that. This reference was not for me. I did not understand it and that's fine. I don't need to understand everything. I just felt like it was, didn't really land and felt kind of unnecessary. And I, I, similar to you, I forgot that Chuck versus the couch lock was in the season. I thought that was in season <laughs> three. I just always, for some reason, associate that with season three. So I forgot that um, all of the cast people that make up Casey's old team could have been considered for this as well. But yeah, I, I think that they, I was trying to think of, I feel like there's another, um, you know, no, he's not really underutilized, but John Larroquette is back. We didn't really mention him and other people who returned from earlier in the series. You know, he was, we had Rome Montgomery. That's Rome, yeah. Um, he did, he, he was pretty fun. Uh, so. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Uh, <laughs> that's, I guess, pretty much it when it comes to the guest stars. Now we're going to move into... I guess we're going to talk more about, you know, what our, our favorite episode was, what our least favorite episode was. Yeah, we're going to zoom way in. New for this season, new for this episode, we're going to be doing our favorite So Bad It's Good episode. <laughs> An episode that you objectively know is bad, but you really like it anyways. Well, I, I've got a pick for that one as well. Good. What was your favorite episode? So, again, I have a list of these. Um, I have four. I couldn't settle on them. Mm -hmm. um, I have very fond memories of Chuck versus the Cat Squad. I think that the inclusion of the Cat Squad is something very interesting as it relates to Sarah's backstory. I also think it's generally just fun. Um, it's cool to see Chuck play with um, <laughs> references to shows that I understand. Um, uh, they have a lot of references to um, Heart to Heart, which I have not seen. Um, so Charlie's <laughs> Angels, I get that. I think Charlie's Angels is very interesting. Um, I think the idea of a female-fronted spy team is something that, like, obviously appeals to American viewers because it has come up a lot, and I think it was smart of them to include that for Sarah. I think all the characters were cool. I wouldn't say it is my 
absolute favorite episode because obviously there were some holes in the plot, especially with Amy, the sweet party girl being the villain was kind Mm. of um, telegraphed, but I thought that was a cool concept. I really liked um, Chuck versus the wedding planner. Again, as it relates to Sarah's backstory, um, Gary Cole's reappearance was very nice. I thought that um, Sarah's struggle with getting got um, and the caper of the bar mitzvah, even though um, there were problems, again, I thought that it was a fun episode. I liked what it did for all of the characters, really, but particularly Sarah and Casey. Um, And I liked... I don't know if this is the conclusion to Sarah's um, relationship with her dad. I was actually surprised, like, not necessarily that they didn't get Gary Cole back for the season four finale, but I was surprised that he didn't make an appearance at the wedding. Um, but I think, like, if this is the send off to Gary Cole, it was kind of a nice uh, way of, like, concluding his and Sarah's relationship. I liked Chuck versus the suitcase um, for exclusively mainly um, the. Uh, runway catwalk catfight um, between Sarah and um, now I don't remember what her name is, but the model villain. And I thought that that scene was so cool that it really kind of made up for a lot of what um, the rest of the episode was lacking. And then lastly, I'm going to list Chuck versus the first fight, which I have a lot of problems with the idea of the first fight and how that is handled. But I really like the introduction of uh, Timothy Dalton as Agent Tuttle. I think that was fun. I like the um, the sheep scene, and I like what this episode does for Morgan, who I feel like is a character who can be very annoying. We've talked about this a lot, but I think that this episode brings him into the spy world in an interesting way. Um, and I have very fond memories of this episode. So there you go. Interesting bunch. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have necessarily uh, picked up on some of those, so that's good. I I guess I enjoyed Chuck versus the suitcase is one that I forget about, but I feel mm-hmm. like what they had done in that one with Chuck and Sarah's relationship was kind of interesting because it was like they were having the realistic kind of conflict in mm-hmm. their relationship, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of my favorite episodes, I like thinking back on it. I think two that stand out to me are Chuck versus the leftovers. Mm-hmm which I think was a really fun episode, uh, especially because of Volkov being at the Buy More and Volkov going to Thanksgiving. It was kind of really interesting, had some good laughs, had some uh, really pretty solid suspense and drama. So all of that was good. Felt like that was a really solid episode. I also think about Chuck versus the Masquerade as being Mm -hmm. another one of my favorites, uh, specifically because of the exploration of Chuck and Morgan's relationship. And also because of Sarah's attempt to play with the Han Solo and Chewbacca mm-hmm. figurines, really a highlight of the entire season at that point. But I think those are two really solid episodes. I think also I, you know, obviously I also kind of really enjoyed the Chuck versus the balcony. I enjoyed at the time. I don't really, that's one that I like, I know that I liked, I don't remember exactly why I liked it, but I think maybe just cause I was, like hoping that they were gonna get engaged or whatnot. Yeah. And then I obviously liked Chuck versus the Cliffhanger as uh a you know, as a pretty fun season finale and wrapping everything up. So I would say those are my my four favorite. And now let's move on <laughs> to something far more interesting. Let's take it down. 
What was your least favorite episode of the season, Aaron? So again, I have three. Um, I thought that Truck versus the First Bank of Evil had some interesting elements, but I'm taking it down mainly for the Morgan plotline. I believe that's the one with the Renaissance um, nonsensical stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just kind of think that for one of the um, important Vivian Volkoff episodes, I think it could have been a lot funner. Um, the first Bank of Evil going to Macau is kind of an interesting concept. Um, and I remember this episode being like not not great. Um, but I'm going to um, my number two. Least favorite episode would be Chuck versus the murder. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I understand the impulse to do a murder mystery episode. I think it could have been done well, um, but this wasn't. It was actually kind of boring. Um, The inclusion of Chuck, like mini Chucks could have been interesting again, but really wasn't. Um, But obviously the biggest problem is that this episode had some very racist components and we don't we don't stand for that here on Go Chuck Yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that that one was a bummer. But the number one least favorite episode um, is going to be Chuck versus Phase 3, which I thought was bad, boring, racist and sexist. Um, So... (laughs) Um, that if you don't remember, which I certainly didn't until I saw the, uh, the episode title, that's, um, where Chuck is pretty much off screen the whole time because he's having his brain worked on for some reason why they're trying to get the intersect out of him. Yeah. They're trying to get the intersect out of him. The Belgian is trying to get it out of him. Yeah. Um, so that plot line really like takes Chuck out of the action, which is relatively rare because the show is called Chuck and he is the main character. Um, But what it does with the time that it then has is just very questionable. I think it's trying to develop Sarah and Casey as characters and just develops them in a weird way that is offensive and um, not not really that interesting. So that one takes the cake for me. That's a good pick. I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of different scenes that kind of come to mind. And I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. I don't really I didn't care for that. And I'm like, well, do I? that I dislike that enough to like really sink an entire episode yeah. of it. Um, but I think those moments are kind of spread out. I think the one episode that in particular stands out as I like looked at the list and I was like, Oh, that I do not <laughs> like that episode was once again, Chuck versus the murder mm-hmm. just stuck in my head as I'm like, this might be one of my least favorite episodes of yeah. Chuck may, might just be my least favorite episode of Chuck period. I did not enjoy it. It didn't work for me. It, um, that's also the one with the Kevin Bacon, right? And the the fr- the, the big yes. DM. Yes, I think so. Yeah. I think all it's that is just like firing on all cylinders yeah. of this all every <laughs> it's like not like there's just like no redeeming part to it at yeah. all. It's like every plot line is bad. I would agree. Um so I Chuck versus the murder was uh in, in my in my mind deserved to be murdered. <laughs> not just not just killed, but murdered. Yes, agree. Uh so now, really excited to talk about this next category. Favorite So Bad It's Good episode. <laughs> Do you want to go first since you introduced it? Sure, yeah. I So for me, I think when I think back of all the episodes that we watched this past season, I think that, and I look at the list, I think that an episode that I had a lot of fun watching and a lot of fun discussing, but I don't think is actually a good episode of Chuck necessarily, is Chuck versus the Cubic Z. <laughs> 
this is an episode that this is where Stone Cold Awesome is back. Nicole Richie's back. It's really the the super introduction to the air ducts uh-huh. where we spend a lot of time in the air ducts in the season. It really doesn't contribute that much of like to the arc of the season overall, because it's like Nicole Richie has some vague idea <laughs> of where Frost is. And they're like, yeah. we have to help you for you to tell us. And then they get to the end of the episode. They're like, where's Frost? And Nicole Richie's saying like, well, I haven't seen her in a few years. <laughs> she might be in Russia. And I'm like, that's that's it. We went through that whole episode. There's not really a lot of payoff there, but there's some good. I remember there being like a good shootout scene on yep. the Bymore roof and Stone Cold Steve Austin. We obviously enjoy having him here. I think I also probably would have given this award if we had it this last season for season three. I would have given these favorite so bad as a good episode to Chuck versus First Class yeah. because that is another Steve Austin episode and another episode where I was like so confused the entire time, but really enjoyed it. So uh, Chuck versus the Cubic Z is a cubic A plus in my book, <laughs> or maybe it's not. It's a like cubic A minus. I'm not really clear. Um, I'm going to give it to Chuck versus the Seduction Impossible. Um, uh, the return of Rowan Montgomery is always kind of an interesting element. And I think that he is a lot less like obnoxious in this episode, maybe because we know him as a character. They don't have to introduce him, but I think he's kind of like pathetic in a way that's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but so bad it's good element is mainly I'm thinking of Beckman and Roan's relationship. I like the flashback to them in the 80s is so ridiculous that it's just <laughs> wonderful. There is an element that I think is actually good with um, like Fatima's backstory, um, her ridiculous like flood the market with fake money idea. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It probably works. Maybe not ridiculous, but that's like a very um, funny plot line. Um, but I think that the emotional ramifications of it and why she is doing it is like rare for an episode of Chuck. So I thought that that's an element that's actually good, but generally like just like Beckman's backstory, the like ridiculous, like big romantic stuff going on is very funny because we don't get to see a lot of that from her. And I think it's always really nice when we do. And I mean, the crown jewel and all of that is uh, Beckman with the bazooka. Oh, right. Of course. Yes. Sorry. I forgot. Yeah. That's That's truly so bad. It's good. That's like (laughs) when you look that up in the dictionary, that's the picture. (laughs) I think that's, that's a great selection. I, I didn't even consider that, (laughs) but I, I'm glad that I think I can confidently say that we honed in on probably the two best worst episodes of the season. (laughs) Uh, Now we, you know, we're going to kind of enter the scooter scale. What that means for this particular episode we're going to be given a a scooter scale number to the entire season but before we do that I wanted to just kind of recap i was looking at our scooter scale records from this season looking at the highs and the lows and doing the median kind of figuring out how we felt about the season overall okay so aaron your highest score was 4.25 corn dogs okay not very do high you, do you know which episode you gave that to absolutely not i have no idea you gave that to Chuck versus the fear of death. All right. According to the scooter scale, that is your favorite episode of the season. Okay. Well, I I think it was getting some wriggle points. I really liked him. <laughs> you you had to leave some wriggle room. Yeah. You gotta, you know. That, <laughs> that was good. That was a good one. Thanks. I'm going to leave that one in there, too. Your lowest episode, Aaron, was you gave two corn dogs to. What, what episode do you think you give two corn dogs to? Was it murder? It was Chuck versus the murder. That's okay. correct. So for me, 
my lowest was also two corn dogs, which I gave to Chuck versus the murder. We're okay. on the same page mm-hmm. about that. And my highest scores of the season, I was a bit more generous than you. I gave five corn dogs out to Chuck versus the balcony and Chuck versus the cliffhanger. Yes, I, re- I remember that. I'm just crazy. I'm just handing out corn dogs <laughs> all over the place. You respond very well to finales. I do. Thank you for noticing about that about <laughs> me. I appreciate that. Um, you were very stingy with your corn dogs. Your, yes. This was not the season of Aaron. Your median score for the season, based off of everything that you said, was a 3.5. Okay. My median score was a 3.75. Okay. Which means that I suggest that I enjoyed the season a little bit more than you did. Which, I don't know, might be might be the case, might not be the case. I guess let's move into how many corn dogs we actually want to give the season. Aaron, how many corn dogs would you give season four of Chuck? Okay, so this discussion did remind me that I could give um, half half corn dogs, um, which is actually now reminding me that I did eat a corn dog this past week. Um, this, this is maybe something that we should have talked about earlier. This is breaking news, um, but I did go to um, Knott's Berry Farms uh, Boysenberry Festival this um, on Friday of this past week, and I ate a um, corn dog with boysenberry mustard, and it was great. That sounds delicious. Why didn't you tell me about that earlier? I uh, I forgot, but yes. Um, so I ate a corn dog, and I remembered half a corn dog because my boyfriend Seth ate half of his corn dog. He wasn't as big of a fan as I was. Um, so I'm going to give to season four as a whole three point two five corn dogs. I think that as we have established, I was a bit stingy this season. I think maybe. Uh, season three of the season of Aaron was such a high for me that this season I did appreciate like I I always like when there's more episodes of Chuck to watch. I think I liked the swing of this being like the longest season. I don't think that anything other than like the Chuck versus the murder and Chuck versus phase three. Like I didn't hate anything, but I just felt kind of lukewarm about a lot of it. Um, we'll get into this with Marys and Kills, but I think that um, this season was really about, like, Volkov as a villain, which I think is a high and is, like, part of my score is that I think maybe he and Shaw contend for best Chuck villain, and I think Volkov is more consistent than Shaw in being, like, an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, then there is Ellie and Devin having a baby, I think has some highs to it, has some interesting elements, and then also has some low elements, looking at you, Jeffster. And then I think one of the biggest things that stands out to me, which again, we'll get into, but this is really the season about Chuck's mom. Um, At least that's what the end of season three and the beginning of the season really posits this season is going to be about. And maybe they just intended that as a means to an end of, like, getting to Volkov as a villain. But I think that the way that this season, like, uses Linda Hamilton and uses the plot lice, the, the plot device of Chuck's mom um, is not really, like, it doesn't really deliver on what the previous season set up or what the beginning of the season set up. And then I would also have to say that the back half of the season i know we can't put too much on the writers for like having these additional episodes suddenly to deal with but i think that the norseman was ridiculous i think that vivian was an interesting idea but she doesn't really have a ton to do um and i think that the like end of the season was a little bit um 
lackluster for me, I would say. It was just mm-hmm. kind of like not as exciting as I would want for this, like the penultimate season of Chuck and also like the, I guess they have like the least amount of money that they've had, but like they are like taking swings with storylines. And I was a little bit disappointed um, with how it all came together. But I still liked it. There were still good things. So 3.25. I want to be a little more than middle of the road. So then I guess the real important question is how many corn dogs would you give the actual corn dog that you ate? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I would give it four corn dogs out of five. Um, I thought that it was a little bit. I didn't like the corn that much. I thought the actual dog was really good. It was a chicken and apple sausage. I thought that was really like... Oh really tasty um the dog was a little or the the corn was a little bit too heavy for me a little bit too sweet but the uh boysenberry mustard was actually really good so it sounds like it was almost more like a cornbread that was kind of surrounding the hot dog okay yeah this is the beginning of our podcast slowly transitioning into a podcast about actually just eating corn dogs (laughs) i think is probably where this is gonna go next up is the uh trader joe's corn dog okay That's, that's something i've had before um I really liked it when I was like maybe in elementary school and then like I didn't I don't know if the actual corn dog changed but my taste buds certainly did and I did not like it anymore. You heard it here first everyone. But I think they're vegan or at least vegetarian. I don't think they're made with actual meat. Oh. I think they're okay. soy. Okay, so how many corn dogs would you give either the last corn dog you ate or the season 4 of Chuck? Well, I haven't had a corn dog in a very long time so I can't do that. I uh I gave it a four out of five. I didn't really know what to expect coming into season four since I didn't really remember much of it. I think that you don't really have to dig too deep beneath the surface to encounter a lot of inconsistencies or questionable motivations for characters or problems with logic or just any kind of various issues. But I think overall, I enjoyed the season more than I thought that I would given the whole mid-season renewal thing. I think that the season is pretty consistent across the board, but overall. I kind of like try to focus on the the moments that I enjoyed rather than the many moments that were underwhelming. Uh, I feel like for the most part, the season is kind of a natural progression from the previous seasons. I feel like everything kind of like individually, some of the moments are kind of weird and kind of questionable. But, but like if you think about like the entire series as an arc, it kind of makes sense that this is the direction that they're going mm-hmm. in. Um, and I think the characters continue to grow in a pretty reasonable way. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like anything is too out of left field. So I do, I, I agree with what you said. And I think that's, you know, I, I think that's all valid, but I liked it a little bit more than I thought. I think it was a pretty fun season to watch. So I give it a four, four corn dogs for season four. And I hope that I will not forget it this time, <laughs> but I probably will. But hopefully I won't. So. Well, I guess our, our median scooter scale numbers were not that far off from what we actually felt because I yeah. gave my median was a 3.75. I actually gave it a four. Your median was 3.5. You gave it a 3.25. So that kind of makes sense. So quarter corn dog off for both of us. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. I also, something I noticed, which I thought was kind of interesting, which we didn't really talk about at all, but looking at the the numbers from the scooter scale, we really were kind of all over the place like we were very inverse this season like i Mm -hmm. feel like in past seasons we kind of are more on the same wavelength Mm -hmm. and kind of even if we don't agree to the same extent we're kind of in the same direction this time around it was very like 
I would give this a generally a positive score. You would give it a negative score and vice versa, which I think is kind of interesting. That is interesting. We're really growing as people here in our in our truck. We're we're okay to disagree now. Were you not okay to disagree before? <laughs> you trying to judge what I were trying to figure out, like predict what I was going to give it and be like, well, this is what I think Chris will give it. You know, I can't say, but it's possible. I heard that anything is possible. <laughs> That's true. Moving into Chuck, Mary, Kill, we're going to have, uh, I guess, a Mary or two for the season four, and we'll have a Kill or two for season four. Aaron, what would you like to marry in season four? So the way I did this, which might differ a little bit from how you did this, but I picked a couple of smaller episode-specific Marys and then a larger um, overarching Mary. Okay. So some of my specific ones, I really liked the runway fight in Chuck versus the suitcase. We talked about this being the season of sexy Sarah showdowns. This was one of the um, initial ones in the season and I think is really strong and is still very memorable to me. Mm -hmm. um, the Sarah wedding dress montage in Chuck versus the first bank of evil. We've already talked about it in this episode, but it's just genuinely like one of my favorite moments in Chuck. Um, and then Sarah playing with Morgan and Chuck's Star Wars toys in Chuck versus the Masquerade was just so funny. And again, stands out to me as one of my favorite moments in Chuck. So those are some smaller episode specific Marys. My overarching um, would I would say that Volkov as a villain was really successful throughout the season. I think that he like Timothy Dalton's performance Volkov as a um, like antagonist figure. I think maybe he's one of the strongest in Chuck history. Um, I think that the um, like his varying performances as Tuttle and as Hartley Winterbottom, Agent X. Um, even though Agent X as a concept is kind of underutilized, I think it is a very interesting idea, and I think does sort of play into what happens in season five. So I think that that was strong. That was, it was always really exciting to see an episode was going to include Timothy Dalton as Volkov or as any other character. Um, I think that Volkov was genuinely threatening, but was also kind of funny. Um, and I like how he was used throughout the season. Um, and then I kind of have, this is a lot smaller. This is kind of like I'm marrying something that didn't happen. Um, but I do think that the way Chuck and Sarah's relationship is handled um, was decent. I think that it is difficult when you have characters get together to have a season where they are together because you don't have the tension of the will they won't they anymore. And I could definitely imagine a season four where like, Chuck and Sarah are breaking up and getting back together all the time, or like they're having more serious fights. I think that for better or worse, I think the show like did make an attempt to have like reasonable issues arise in their relationship. And even though there were some misses, like some confusion about whether or not they were ready to get engaged and the wedding and all of those things, like I think that I am happy that they decided to go in that direction of having like realistic couples moving in together couples talking about getting engaged couples talking about having children like those kinds of things um instead of doing like a continuation of the will they won't they but just like they have gotten together officially now what about you well i i think that 
I would have to marry, you know, I think your point about Volkov, I, I is one that I have. Uh, I think that they, you know, Timothy Dalton's performance, we've obviously talked about a lot. I think he does a really good job. I think that as a credible threat and a villain, the character makes sense and that he does a good job in that. And I am also thinking that, you know, from the fact that they probably when they got the the final six episodes or whatever of the season and they had to kind of figure out where they're going with it. I kind of think that they made a pretty good call and kind of tying stuff back, like making Steven and the intersect and agent X also kind of connect to Volkov. I think mm-hmm. it was pretty interesting. I think, you know, maybe that's a little corny or feels a little ham fisted for some people, but I think that it kind of made sense because otherwise Volkov would have just been this straight up evil guy with no yeah. background. And I'm glad that they kind of stuck with him. I think, um, you know, maybe how they handled Vivian was kind of maybe a little bit unbalanced. Maybe they could have done a better job with that. But I think that they did a good job with Volkov and he was certainly a fun aspect for the season. Um, I think that I also really enjoyed Yvonne's performance. I mean, we mm-hmm. always enjoy her performance, but I think that there are a lot of different things this season, whether it was the kind of standard action fair, like when she was having to kickbox in Thailand or Mm -hmm. do the runway fight, doing a lot of physical performance, but then the, um, like some of the more comedic moments with the, the Han and Chewie action figures, Mm -hmm. or when she was pretending to do the, uh, flash face in front of Chuck, Mm -hmm. or when she's trying on the wedding dresses, Mm -hmm. really enjoyed. I think she just like, is so versatile and does such a great job. And, she just really was like the foundation for the season and is always like the emotional core of the show. So I think she did an awesome job. And then I also kind of want to give a shout out because I feel like we don't really talk about it a lot, but Morgan as a character is, is kind of solid yes, at this point in the season. I agree. It seems like a while ago that we would be like really disgusted or that we'd have issues with things that Morgan was doing on a regular basis, but he's kind of matured a lot in this season and seems to be doing a lot better and is kind of more of a, palatable enjoyable character i think that uh jeff and lester to some extent also are kind of a little bit more they kind of have a better grasp on them Mm -hmm. i think they certainly had some instances of like i don't know if that was the best choice but overall i think that they kind of have ironed out some of those issues and kind of move in a, a better direction so those are my marys for the season now what would you like to kill this season aaron so, again, I have a couple small things and then a more overarching issue. Um, something that we haven't talked about, but that did stand out to me when I was um, reminiscing on the season is uh, Lester's intended Jinsana and that whole plotline in Chuck versus the Balcony. Mm. Um, I think that I just could have done without all of that. And um, the Damien plotline in Chuck versus the Murder. Um, again, don't we've we've talked about that enough, but that was um, highly suspect in terms of racism and Islamophobia. And I really like in a bad episode, it was maybe one of the worst things. So I would uh, toss that out of there. Um, but for my overarching kill. Um, I, I feel sad to say this, but I think now that I finished the season, like it does stand. I think that Linda Hamilton as a performer and as a character, um, was disappointing. I said this earlier, but this season did really promise to be like 
Chuck's mom comes back into the picture. There's going to be a little bit of finding her and then she's going to come back into the picture. I was really excited. Um, not having such a strong memory of season four, I was really excited to see that happen um, for Chuck and Ellie's sake. But I think that like we joked a lot about Mary not really being in it or where she is or what she's doing or why she's doing the things that she's doing. But I do think like whether it's a writing or a performance issue, like she didn't really deliver on that excitement. I don't think that, um, like she obviously had good moments, but I think generally like her character was not particularly engaging. Um, it was not really like once, once Mary came back into the picture, she was really just like a, a background character that didn't have a lot to do. And I think that was kind of disappointing. Um, I understand that they went with like a popular, like recognizable actress and maybe she wasn't available or maybe they didn't have the funds to pay for her. But I think like Chuck's mom, like from season one is such a like big part of Chuck and Ellie's upbringing. They talk a lot about how their mom went away and Mm -hmm. like discovering that she went away for spy related reasons is really like exciting and surprising. And I think that, the way they handled Steven was interesting and he felt like a real important character, even though he Mm. wasn't always present. And I think Mary just kind of felt very flat. Like she had moments, she had nice moments, but generally she just felt like clunky and flat and was mainly like used as like Volkov is in love with her and how is she going to deal with that? Or Chuck is mad at her, how she's going to deal with that? Or like her and Sarah are at odds like she wasn't didn't really ever feel like a character in her own right she was just like relating to other more interesting characters Mm. which is sad i think that's a good point i think they kind of had like a better grasp on her in the earlier episodes of the Mm. season because i remember like when she first came it was kind of exciting and i feel like they her arc really was only ever intended to go as far as chuck versus the push mix yeah and then those last episodes they kind of were like we don't really know what to do with her. At some point, she's probably going to need to come back because that yeah. would make sense because of the wedding. But yeah. we're not really sure. So I, I think it's kind of like a careful what you wish for thing because when she wasn't there, we were kind of like, where's where's Mary? Like, why wouldn't she be here for this? And then when she did come back, it was like, ah, she's really kind of minimized completely and doesn't really have a whole lot to do. And maybe yeah. that was kind of affecting Linda Hamilton's performance. Yeah. but. She, yeah, definitely there was kind of a drastic contrast between her earlier episodes and her later episodes. Yeah. What about you? I, well, for me, I think that, you know, obviously pretty much anything pertaining to Chuck versus the murder, uh, I, I, I don't care for. But trying to get beyond that, I think there are a few other moments that are other kind of points that were not really great. I really hated the Chuck and Sarah's prenup. We didn't really talk about that today. Yeah. Hated that. Uh, Did not care for that, as we discussed in that episode. But I just think that was just a really strange, like, I feel like sometimes they, the Chuck writers do a good job of making them feel like they have a a realistic three-dimensional relationship. Uh Sometimes it gets kind of corny and cheesy because it's a, you know, television show and that's what they have to do. But this was just an instance of things like, this is really, this is the message you want to put out to the entire world Yeah, is in this show. This is the, the moral of the story. It just felt very weird and kind of icky. Speaking of things that felt kind of icky, 
was, you know, we also haven't talked about this, but when Sarah was doing the belly dancing, yep, I think uh, that was icky because as we discussed that she said earlier in the episode that they were not going to have her get into a belly dancing costume. And then later on, she gets into the belly dancing costume to try to seduce Chuck. So this is in Chuck versus the Seduction Impossible. Mm -hmm. And just felt like a weird, like, the show being like, huh, you thought we were above this. Yeah. We're not. Nope. (laughs) And didn't care for that. And then I think for more of a, you know, storytelling wise, I think the Norseman just really was really stupid. Yeah. As a, (laughs) a weapon and as a tool. I think that that really you know, felt not half baked, baked exactly, but just kind of if someone is going to be criticizing season four and be like, well, it's really not that thought out and you're it's hard to defend the Norseman and being like, no, this is a cool, interesting. And it's like, it's really not the rules of it are really never clearly defined. Mm-hmm. They make a point of trying to explain it, but then it's still not super clear. You know, as we've previously discussed, we're like, you get poisoned by radiation because of your <laughs> dna and it you have all these little parts that go together to make this little gun and yeah you can poison anyone from anywhere in the world but she got all the people into the room and it just was very it felt like kind of a sloppy way of making these things kind of happen of mm-hmm. like well we have to get sarah's life to be in danger and yeah. we need vivian to do it i think there are other ways that they could have done it obviously because yeah. i just don't think the norseman was really the most it just really takes you out of it because you're like, I don't feel like this is really believable. Yeah. Um, it just kind of cheapens things, I think, and could have gone without that. I agree. But now we have, you know, we've been doing the lesson of the week pretty much every week this season. Now we have the lesson of the season. <laughs> the key takeaways. Aaron, what's your key takeaway, your lesson of the season? My lesson of the season is that the real intersect is the friends we made along the way. And I mean that literally, because Morgan is the intersect now. <laughs> uh, for me, I learned that when in doubt, head to the air ducts. Also, <laughs> stay away from evil ghost men. But if you can't stay away from the evil ghost men, make sure you kill them with actual bullets. Those are great lessons. That's what I learned. That's what I'll keep with me as we, we move on. And now as we come towards the end of our season four episode it feels like we just started but now we're we're saying goodbye to season four it's crazy it's it's kind of crazy that i feel like you know part of me feels like we've been in season four for a very long time but then part of me feels like we just started it and it's crazy that we're saying goodbye to volikov and i think mary i just do you think mary comes back in season five or you think i have to assume she's back for something but i don't know I also think Volkov is back for something. I think a lot of people come back, but like just as one-offs. So I don't know who we're saying goodbye to. Okay, so it's really not saying goodbye. It's more of just like, see you later. <laughs> yes. That's nice. That makes this easier. Uh, you know, I didn't think we'd record during a much crazier time than we when we recorded season three last spring and last summer. And I think that season four managed to take place somehow during an even crazier time. <laughs> both in terms of what's going on in the world and our country at large, and also just in I certainly my personal life. Uh, <laughs> Mine as well. Yeah, it's season four was wild. The timeline was crazy. I It's been a, a wild ride. And as always, Chuck and, and Go Chuck Yourself have been a life raft through it all for me. 
even if Erin doesn't feel the same way because she feels like she's just taking out the trash. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't say that about go chuck yourself. I said that about you. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. Thank you for clarifying. So it's not the podcast. It's just my involvement. No, the podcast is great. I love the podcast. <laughs> but yes, I... Um, this continues to be like I I can't believe it's been almost a hundred episodes. That's astounding. That um, we we joke a lot. I I joke a lot. Maybe Chris doesn't joke a lot about uh, like having to watch Chuck and having to record the podcast and having to talk to Chris. And I am, except for that last one, I am joking. It is. Um, it has been really great to take this journey through a show that I really have fond memories of that I really really love. And really take this granular look at it and see the things that I love, like really talk about them and then kind of like piece together, break down the things that I don't like so much. I feel like it's made me a better viewer of like Chuck specifically, but also like television in general. And then like, I can't, I I can't end this without saying like, thank you to everybody who's listened to us. Like, it's unbelievable. Um that we've gotten reviews at all, whether they're three or five stars. It's unbelievable that we've gotten letters at all, even though they're not generally from Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. And it's really amazing that we have like over 10,000 listens to this like little thing that we're doing. And we have like, we get to be a part of the Chuck community, which is so welcoming and wonderful. Um, and this is just like a reminder of that. Like it's, it's really nice bringing a tear to my eye here. This has been a horrible time for the world and for us and for um, like interpersonal connections. And it's really great to be able to talk to my best friend every week. And it's really nice to be able to interact with the Chuck fandom, who are great people. It is very nice. Yeah. I was, you know, was maybe it still can happen, but I was at some point, I'm like, well, you know, I'm sure there can't be there's going to be Chuck fans that aren't supportive or are not going to be on board or whatnot. But I it seems like everyone there's just been the amount of support and everything has been really great. And it's just so much fun engaging with people on social media and hearing what people not only have to say about the show, Chuck itself, but then also when people are kind enough to write in and share their you know thoughts or experiences listening to our podcast is just really crazy. And it's a really nice thing that is very motivating and very validating and very inspiring in a lot of ways. And it is a treat to be able to do this with Aaron and have something that we work on together and make happen. It's been a delight, but it's not the end. Of course, there is the future for Go Chuck Yourself. We're talking about season five already. Crazy. Insane. I can't believe that, but we've made it. Uh, that's where we're at. I was thinking about it today. I do not know where my season five DVD oh, set is at, but I got to find it. I'm sure it's somewhere. Um, I do think that we're probably, since season four has been a, a long, arduous road, uh, <laughs> we're going to be taking a little bit of a, a break to rest and recover before going into season five. I don't know exactly when we're going to be starting up season five again. We haven't really discussed it, but I would imagine sometime soon sometime in the near future yes uh, sometime this year certainly we will certainly keep you updated yeah social media going away for a long time but we'll be taking a little bit of a pause maybe we'll have some surprises before we start season five maybe we won't i don't really <laughs> know uh either way make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen 
and to follow go check yourself on twitter for updates that's kind of ends up being our main mouthpiece for things like that uh and yeah we just we really appreciate everyone who listens to our show on a regular basis and who engages with us on twitter and you know doing this show this podcast is a lot of fun and i look forward to continuing to do it into the future because it's it's a great time i love it a lot me too so that pretty much that's sums up just about everything of season four uh aaron do you have any final thoughts anything mean that you want to say about me (laughs) no i really i really covered it i think that i've uh said said enough mean things um okay Happy spring to those of you in the hemisphere that is currently experiencing spring symptoms. Um, Happy whatever season it is, if you are not in the northern hemisphere. That would be fall. That would be fall, yep. Um, If you're in Australia, if you're not, uh, you're having having winter, fall. No, that's, they're, yeah, there's still fall for them. Still fall, okay. Mm -hmm. There's not anywhere in the world, what about Antarctica? That would be winter. I mean, it's not really winter, but it would be snow. No, but still still fall. (laughs) Okay. Just whatever, just think of the inverse of the seasons. Sorry, I don't want to be mansplaining seasons to Aaron. I don't want that to be We started talking about the four seasons, and now we're ending talking about the four seasons. (laughs) Damn it. It's so good. Aaron is a comedic mastermind. Uh, <laughs> All right. So I hope that wherever you are, whatever weather you are experiencing, you are doing well. Hopefully, um, by the time we pick up recording season five or sometime during season five, things will be a little bit better in terms of pandemic vaccinations, all of those things. But if not, that's fine. Well, it's not fine. But if not, uh, we will still be here. So <laughs> stay tuned. So, signing off Season 4, my name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that food is sexy. My name is Erin Arada, reminding you that anything is possible. Except receiving a fan letter from former President Barack Obama asking for advice on his podcast. Yet. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.